Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk baseball. Welcome to a Baseball America podcast. J.J. Cooper and John Manuel driving back from the Fort Bragg game, which is a very simple name for it. The Fort Bragg game, Marlins Braves, a Truly special July 3rd, it's now July 4th, happy 4th to everyone, That's right. but a truly special event at Fort Bragg, we'll explain it, if you if you somehow are under a rock, we'll explain it a little bit, that is, it was a game, the first game ever, first professional baseball game, Major League Baseball game especially, mm-hmm. played on an active military installation, the first MLB game ever played in North Carolina. John, we're both still pretty pumped and geeked about it. I would agree. What 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 did you? I mean, what really will stand with you? I you you, if you'll save, you know it'll stick for me. But I will say for you. Well, you know, for me, JJ, it was, you know, growing up in Fayetteville, actually, right next door to Fort Bragg. It was just amazing to see that community, um, you know, be part of a major league baseball game. To be able to drive an hour. Uh, to a major league baseball game, that's not something, something that we do. It's something we Carolina. dream of. We it dream is. of expansion, but that's right. And um, so, and then to see the quality of the play of the big leaguers in person, it's not the same as watch, when you watch it on TV as it is in person. And look, you know, the games that I go to usually are high school games at Tournament of Stars, like you went to a lot last week, or College World Series games. That's high level. Baseball. Even Triple A. Right. Even Triple A is a, a big deal. But we're, we're not at big league games as much. We get them very occasionally, but it is less often. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't get there too often. You know, a lot of times uh, for my vacation or recreation, I don't want to go to baseball games. I do that enough. So to go to a major league game and to see um, that community, just to see that, just, I guess the other thing that will stand out to me was the genuine excitement of the fans. Every foul ball was a big, like, and kind of a building roar of anticipation of the fans in that section that they might get a foul ball. And, the you know, the wave is played out and passe unless you're at your first Major League Baseball game. And then it's like something it's exciting to be part of. And, like, it was for those fans tonight. And that was the wave with gusto tonight, J.J. So, and it was with... Near 100% participation. Absolutely. The only I guess seats, if the commanding general stands up, you stand up. The seats that I saw that didn't stand up the one time I really was watching all the way around was the commissioner and his seats, <laughs> his coterie Man around Fred, him. Anti-wave. Yeah, so um, that, it was a, it really was a, it was a fantastic experience because I can't imagine that there are other games that are like that. And they're very, also just such a special, unique size of 12,500 seats for a Major League Baseball game. But it was packed. Uh, there was no upper deck. There yeah. was no. This is not. This was really. It was a AAA stadium they yeah. put together. But it, it. There is no upper deck. And uh, you know, earlier in the week, I got to. On the last podcast that we recorded, I got to talk to Murray Cook uh, with MLB, their field uh, coordinator, uh, guy who puts the, the operations and the groundskeeping together. Who's really kind of a wizard. He is kind <laughs> of a wizard, and. What an amazing job that he did, that the BAM Productions did, that puts these kind of events on. That was a really pretty epic job that everyone involved did there because it didn't feel like it was extraordinary. 
in terms of, oh, this game is going on and this is a temporary stadium. It didn't feel like it was hard. Which is having it felt a, pretty effortless. Which is having a national broadcast and yeah, and I, nothing. And there really was nothing that stood out that said, oh, you could tell these are the concessions that were made for being at a different site. The only concessions were that when you walked on the concourse, quote unquote, it was muddy. You know, um, that it was, uh, you know, that that, that it, we had rain earlier in the day, and thank goodness I held off during the game. Uh, but it was it was spectacular, and you know, just a couple things about the game that stood out to me. First, JJ, it's really cool to watch a game in person. Not the same as you know, again, not just the box score. And you see JT Real Muto hit off, lead off a game, and JT Real Muto went off tonight. Mm-hmm. Three hits, only home run of the game. Uh, it was really cool to see. We've written about Christian Yelich for years, and uh, special game for him with a younger brother who's a Marine just back in the States after six months overseas in the Far East. And to see Christian Yelich uh, hit line drives all over the field, great at bats, down 0-2 in the count one time and fouled off a couple pitches off Matt Whistler and lines an RBI single to right field. That was really neat to see. Mm-hmm. That's a guy we we saw him in Greensboro on the way up to the big leagues. You know, he, like, like the way you put it during the game, he is who we thought he would be, a uh, line drive hitting machine you know, a top uh, top three in the lineup kind of guy. Um, would have been wonderful to see uh, more of Ichiro. We got to see one Ichiro bat. I uh, did not practice Our dreams my of 11 for 11 did not uh, come That's true. right. We were hoping for Ichiro 3000 and Fort Bragg. That would have been amazing. That would have been beyond epic. But so the on the field for me was really, really good. And it was a major league baseball game played at a very high level. Uh, yeah, there was one error. I guess the catcher, Real Muto, threw one into center field. Uh, was it Real Muto? I thought it was Flowers, wasn't it? And they both actually had bad throws. Flowers, I thought, was the one that had the trying to catch two because it reminded me that Tyler Flowers, not your best defensive catcher. Yes. Um, we both turned to each other and were like, yeah, that's why scouts were talking about how they're not enough catching in the big leagues. But, um, you know, Eric Ibar had three outstanding plays. Adonis Garcia made a slow roller look very routine. Um, for those of us who don't get to see Major League Baseball up close and personal on a regular basis, and I include myself squarely in that camp, uh, it was a pleasure from that standpoint. But I know what your highlight was. I tried to capture it on video. It's on the Baseball America Facebook page. But, J.J., the excitement of that flyover was pretty spectacular. That was awesome. I was actually going to say, by the most, I, one other thing that before I say that, that really okay. did, that I really did enjoy was I tweeted about this some. This was a game that the one of the key things about this, and this is what I I do think that this will be something that is the start of a tradition. Agree completely. I, I think that this was too well done, too successful to say, okay, that was a nice one-time thing. This was baseball, whether intentionally or unintentionally, created an event today, July, well, yesterday, July 3rd, that stands out, that's different. And, and the thing about it is, is that... for a very good reason. Right. And it's, I mean, there's 162 games during the regular season. There aren't many games that stand out. That's both the great thing about baseball, but if you say that that's a critical thing about baseball, that's true also. In modern society, that's really a downside for baseball, for Major League Baseball. 
This was the Braves versus the Marlins. In no other scenario <laughs> is 2016 Braves-Marlins a game where the nation goes, wow, i got to watch Braves-Marlins. But because it was the Fort Bragg game, all of a sudden it became something of some significance. And again, I, I can't imagine that that won't continue. What I hope, if it does continue, and if you rotate the teams, hopefully this would be the case, the players, they weren't going through the motions of, we are glad to be here. Right. That's something that if you are a professional baseball player, you are very well versed. Okay, let me let you in on a little insight. If you are at one of those exhibition games right at the end of spring training, where the big league club comes through a minor league city to play a game, they may say about how excited they are to be there. They're being a good job, doing a good job of being professional, because really, they're not all that excited to be there. This was a case tonight where they were truly excited and honored to be there. The best way I kept putting it is, is that this was a game where the players were seeking out fans for autographs rather than vice versa. Yeah. At the average game, it's, you know, the screaming, please sign my ball, sign my ball, sign my ball. At this game, Ichiro takes his swings, comes out of the batting cage. A soldier and a, and a young kid come by. He stops, talks to him, signs the ball, and then back to BP. You never see anyone stop their BP before a regular season game so that they could, you know, talk to a kid. Especially a dude who's, you know, 11 hits away from 3,000 hits in the United States. I mean, it was really, it was special in that regard. And and then there was the flyover. And there was the flyover, which is going to be hard to top because, and it was just so appropriate, JJ. Um, yeah, you know a lot more about this than I do, but obviously Fort Bragg is home. It's noted, not just for being the largest military installation in the United States and possibly the world, but it's also noted for just how there uh, has to be mobile. some. There has to be a bigger one. There has to be some Soviet, like, oh, you know, we've got plenty of room out here. We'll just, you know, this range is going to be the next 5,000 miles of Siberia. Right. But, but you would imagine that, that um, you know, this, what made it special was that it's mobile forces, special forces, 82nd Airborne Division, these kind of things that are housed at Fort Bragg. And uh, so the, the helicopter flyover, A, it was unique that it's helicopters, but B, the helicopters that are flying, oh, what, about 500 feet up? I mean, they were close enough the, to felt you could touch them. The awesome thing was is when, because I, I kind of had high hopes for the flyover. And then, like, when the... I told you that Murray Cook said it's going to be a special flyover. And then the Golden Knights couldn't jump in because the winds and all. And I'm like, okay, JJ, don't be too disappointed if, you know, if this is not what you would hope for. But then... They finished the national anthem, and you look out over the trees, and literally, like, they didn't, like, you didn't say, oh, here they come. It felt like they popped out right over the trees because they were that low. And we were high up. I mean, we right. were one row from the top. There was basically us, and behind us was the broadcast crew, and that was the back of the stadium. And it really did. <laughs> At first, it was like, that's an Apache. Yeah. And it feel like I'm staring it straight in the face. <laughs> You know, I mean, like, it's, and when it, when they flew over, 
Uh, the videos that we, I, you know, I took a video, you took a video, but it doesn't do that justice because the view that our cameras, our cell phone cameras, are less than one to one. They're, it was closer than it appears on the right. video. When the Chinook flew over, I was like, ah, I feel like I could read like stencils, like, yeah. you know, keep, you know, do not step here. <laughs> I mean, it was that close. And it was awesome because it really did. And then it, and it was so much, you were so blown away, you didn't even notice at first that it was the two Blackhawks on the flight. Right. I, didn't, you know, I noticed the, the Apache and then the Chinook, and it was like, wait a second, there were four. There, you know, those were two Blackhawks, too. It was, Chinook, that was, as growing up in, in Fayetteville, the Chinook is like the signature to me helicopter of Fort Bragg. I mean, it's a transport vehicle, basically, right? I mean, giant, yep, that's been around for really now, since uh, Vietnam, right? basically, yeah. I mean, they 55 years, basically, now. So in my mind, that's the helicopter I grew up seeing. When the helicopter formations group flew over Fayetteville growing up, that's what it was. It was the Chinooks. You didn't see the Apaches or the Blackhawks, not that I remember. And, uh, so I was glad that one was part of the flyover because, I, I, you know, I just grew up with that helicopter. And the thing about it was is that this is, I do think, a point that we need to emphasize because we saw some of it on Twitter yeah, and good. Facebook and all that, is that this was not... I understand people's cynicism in some ways because <coughs> NFL <laughs> has used... The military. I don't know another way to put it other and, than used. And hey, Major League Baseball certainly has, has taken advantage of patriotism, the military. I mean, you don't see camo uniforms in the NFL or the NBA. Right. They're all they're allowed right. with baseball, but, but, but not, to the, not the way, not the taxpayer dollars and, that have been used like the NFL has. And the thing that here was the case is, is that this was not, hey... And again, I'm not saying baseball didn't get something out of it because I do think that this was a great day for baseball. Yeah. Baseball, it, it gathered attention. It was positive PR, a lot of things like that. But this was baseball saying, can we not, can you build? Yeah. Which is also very unusual in baseball. Very and, much and, so. And, and in, pub, in pro sports now. But this was, can we build a stadium? To host a game, and then when it's over, can we turn that over? Can we convert it and then turn it over to you? Yeah, I mean it's a gift from Major League Baseball and the, and players, the players Union to uh, to the U.S. Army and to Fort Bragg, and you know certainly baseball has taken taxpayer money in, uh, for stadiums uh, for years and years and years and, and, will, and, and will, will again and probably will in Fayetteville for crying out loud if these California League franchises relocated North Carolina it's probably going to be taxpayer money to help build a stadium in Fayetteville so um, that game today probably gives a lot of momentum to that uh, if you can look at it through the Baseball America lens um, they all tie together but that was uh, ta no taxpayer money spent to, to build that ballpark a gift for Major League Baseball in the Union, and uh, that was a wise investment of its money. And I think Major League Baseball got a big return on its investment, JJ, because that was a great scene for baseball, dominated the news cycle, dominated social media today. And I think what we both agree is that MLB now has this event that can be an annual event 
along the lines of a winter classic in the NHL. Um, and what are some other events that are kind of like that? I mean, that the funny special one-offs. There aren't many. There really aren't that many. I mean, you could call like if you wanted to, like in college football, you have the season opener type things, but right. those or, are. And the, or in college basketball now, you kind of almost annually or set or every other year you have teams playing on an aircraft right. carrier, which is very analogous to. Very. Um, a little less gimmicky, but certainly uh, analogous to that. Um, but this seems like really the closest analog, I think, really is the the Winter Classic. And this seems like it's uh, got a chance to be better. I mean, Major League Baseball could take this all over the United States, wherever their military is. And really, they can take it beyond the U.S. Right. If the, sketch, the thing with that, though, is, is you can't do a July 3rd, 4th, 5th game anywhere else other than the States. Right. You know, Canada, but that's saying what that would kind of defeat the purpose. Um, but, you know, if you said, though, but you can't say, hey, we're going to play a game in Germany at a, you know, at a base right. or anything like that because of travel. But the other thing I did want to bring up before we wrap this up that we talked about was the other thing that is notable is where the ML, where MLB and the MLBPA is. This was a joint project. This is something where you have the owners and the players union, player association, have worked together. And the thing that's notable is, is that that's where baseball is in many ways. They have a CBA coming up. But as opposed to, I'll go back to 2002, yeah. when I started at Baseball America and was thinking at the time, please don't strike, yeah. please don't strike. This would really be disappointing if this... Now, and, and the way we talked about it on our ride back was is that what both sides have realized is instead of going battling to the death for the last dime, I want that last dime out of the $4 billion or the $5 billion in revenues, they've, both sides have realized if we work together... Would we rather share nine billion or ten million or eleven billion? And they've done a really good job of growing the revenue in the game, which the reality of it is is that that's I mean, if you're a fan, that's not as important as many other things, but if you're where it's important to you as a fan is is as that revenue continues to grow, that ensures we have peace. Yeah. Because it, it makes it makes all the questions are easier to answer. If the money in the game keeps going up, it's a healthier sport now than it was 20 years ago. There's no question about it. It's a healthier sport now in a, in a lot of ways. Now, there are ways that it could be healthier, and that's where I have, I have to say, I have a lot of faith in Commissioner Manfred. You know, for a guy in his second year as a commissioner, this guy's had a lot of positive steps. And he, and he, can, he, he does not carry himself as a commissioner who's like trying to find his footing. Right. It really does feel like he hit the ground running. And Very confident in his leadership and his vision for the, the I mean, game. As having stepped in over a, basically when you look at commissioners, I mean, Bud Selig's reign is so long that there are very few commissioners that come close to comparing to the impact that he had on the game. Partly because he was just around he had the job so long. Yep. But it, it has not so overshadowed. Shadowed. 
He really kind of has it. And, you know, Commissioner Zilich's still around. You know, you still see him on – he came up on my Twitter timeline today um, in Arizona. I think he was at a Diamondbacks game. Um, you know, Commissioner Manfred, to me, uh, he was set up well by Commissioner Zilich for all of Commissioner Zilich's flaws and missteps over his course. There were lots of them. But after 2001, to their credit, they had labor peace. And that's where the game's revenues grew so much. And Commissioner Seelig made everybody in baseball a lot of money. And now Commissioner Manfred... Which, let's be honest, that's was job his one. primary job. That's job one. Commissioner Manfred sees that the financial side is in pretty good shape. He can work on some of these grassroots the play ball initiatives that he's doing, trying to get more young people playing baseball, even talking about moving the draft, talking about the calendar... Talking about uh, an international draft, to, you know, we'll have to talk with Ben Battler about July second shenanigans this year, the Red Sox suspension, these kind of things. I mean, you know, there's a lot to clean up. Certainly, Major League Baseball didn't look very good at the end of last week, JJ, with the way they handled the minor league baseball, uh, uh, the lawsuit by some ex-players, mm-hmm. um, you know, the the bill that was in front of Congress. The, was Saving America's Pastime Act. What a joke to, to name it like that. We talked about that last podcast. That wasn't a good look for MLB. So there's certainly issues. But when you see the level of cooperation... But they're issues. They're peripheral issues. They're not core issues. And when you see the cooperation the, on a fundamental thing like a game like this um, that MLB and the U- Players Association have, and they um, both it really gives to- you faith to, that they can work those issues out. Because it's not something where either side's also trying to take... They want it to be shown as a cooperative program, not a we try to take the credit for it, you try to take the credit for it. It's something where they're trying to work together. And it's going to be fascinating to watch this year's CBA negotiations because Tony Clark is stepping into some pretty big shoes. Marvin Miller was obviously founded the union or really professionalized it. Don Fear was uh, in charge of it for a long time. Certainly was battle-tested. I'm already forgetting the late uh, successor, Don Fear. uh, uh, We'll have to edit it in. uh, Wiener. Yeah, Michael Wiener, thank you. Um, Who was, again, a professional negotiator, an experienced negotiator, and someone that everyone in the union trusted. Tony Clark's an ex-player. Certainly he has the trust of his constituency, but he's an ex-player. He's not a labor lawyer. You know, he hasn't been through these negotiations as the point guy before. So I'm sure that, you know, there's some people who I would imagine would think that, yeah, Commissioner Manfred's all hunky-dory, but he's been through this before, and he's going to get what he wants and, and has a chance to get this over on Tony Clark, and Tony Clark might be thinking, i got to make sure that I don't have, get you know, I'm not taking advantage of because I'm new in this role. I don't feel like that's how it's playing out, though, J.J. I, I don't feel like that's how it's going to play well, out. When you see the level of trust the two gentlemen clearly have for, with each other. But the other part of this is, is that, we, what we talked about, the core issues, in some ways, the two sides made enough compromises to resolve some of them. Mm-hmm. But at the other side, the business side of the game changed in a way that was very fortunate for baseball. Right. In that... Really, at the core of it, when you go back to it, beyond, I know no other way to say it, but owner stupidity. Yeah. You had basically the first 15 years after 
free agent from '76, the start of the free agency era, to like 1990, the best thing that can be described of is owners were some of the dumbest men around. <laughs> and I say this because in every step of the way, if there had ever been an ounce of compromise, right. they could have always stopped things. But they're always like, no, we've had it so good. We can't budge an inch. And then it was all, when the dust cleared, there were not only had the players made massive strides, they had free agency, they had arbitration. But beyond that, beyond that, and then the owners had to pay damages because they had willfully violated the agreements that they had made and did it in such an overt way. Are you telling me that no free agent out there will get an offer from any other team? I just sounds like normal to me, you know. But so those first fifteen years, I, there were a lot. I mean, there was a lot of stupidity out there. Total incompetence. Yeah, you're right. And I mean, it was just, it was just a, it had such abs. It was, it's like <laughs> the analogy that comes to mind is like any country you can think of that had one party rule for so long. Like Mexico, they had this PRI that ruled Mexico for so long. How can they, they had it so good for so long, how could they not be totally corrupt? And they were. And so now, you got past that. But then there became, really after that, it became less the battle between the owners and the players as much as it was the battle between the owners and the owners. Right. Because you had then really a divide where you had the rich owners, rich the large revenue teams and the small revenue teams. They didn't want the And we had a system that was broken. Yeah, they didn't want to share with each other and now once they and it is very fortuitous that once they agreed to share some of their revenues at the pot of that shared revenue, the internet pot exploded. Right. And that solved many of the problems because the reality of it is, is we are in a game now where, I, we've said it before on the podcast, but everyone has money. Yeah. I mean, I, with the exception, the only arguments you can at this point make are the few teams out there who are in poor stadium situations. Tampa and Oakland. Tampa and Oakland. Everyone else. The Kansas City Royals are World Series champs, right. and they came off of the World Series championship and they were able to go out and re-sign Alex Gordon, arguably their best player, or at least one of their best players, in free agency. Yeah. That's that tells you if you went back to if this same thing had happened in 1992, 93, 94, right. that would not have been an option. Or even 2001. I mean, uh, you know, the, all those teams you, know, you can pry open that window a lot longer now right. in Major League Baseball because everyone's got money and everyone can get if everyone besides again maybe the A's and the Rays. Right. Everyone else has the opportunity. Again, I think there are teams out there who would not do it. But right. everyone else, if you have a good team and you need to go to $100 million or a little bit above it, you can figure out a way to do it. And, uh, you know, on a weekend where, you know, uh, it'll be fascinating to watch going forward how people react to the NBA's you know, spending spree of free agency By the way, and all that kind of thing. I do have to now, now that the new, C- the new salary cap has gone in the NBA, I've always said, you know, like, I mean, it really is true. Like, if you have a choice between playing football or baseball, 
play baseball. Andrew Luck just signed a new deal. Right. And his deal's like, oh, this is amazingly, you know, he won't make all the money because that's how the NBA, NFL works. It's not all guaranteed. But this deal is record-breaking. And it's basically like he got the Jeff Samarja deal. I mean, that's, you know, that's the difference. Both, both of which are like a, 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 a half of what Mike Connolly gets per and, year. And now, now I would say, though, if you are that rare person who can play basketball and be an NBA player, or a baseball player, and you want to play basketball? I can see why that would be a smart idea. Yes. You are, if you want to make some money, you can pretty much. If you are an NBA starter, don't worry. You will be your great great grandkids will be uh, benefiting from that. Yeah, that's another sport where the uh, owners tried to stop paying people money and had a lockout and all those kind of things, and it didn't work out. And then once they stopped fighting, once they stopped doing that, their revenue skyrocketed as well. It, it, uh, I'm just, I just want, I'll be curious to see what the reaction kind of is to it publicly, because I have a feeling that if I don't even know who a Mike Conley analog is in Major League Baseball, but Johnny Cueto is actually kind of a good analog. If Johnny Cueto had gotten three times as much money per per, per year as uh, Clayton Kershaw got, uh, fans would fans would totally lose their minds. Mike Conley is a good point guard. He's not close to Steph Curry, and he's making about three times what Steph Curry makes. Right. It's, it's all about salary. timing. So it's, it's, it, it's all about timing. And but baseball players get so raked over the coals for their salaries. I'm not saying the basketball players should be. I hope it actually just kind of helps the baseball tanks to go away. The thing and, I've never understood with that is it's a nine billion dollar industry. If it's a $9 billion industry, players are going to get paid a lot of money. JJ, people just aren't that intelligent about these kind of things. I, I have a lot of blind spots on my own about a lot of things. But, you know, people think, oh, higher tech, higher salaries will equal higher ticket prices. Nope. You know, it's just what Tex Cobb says in the in Raising Arizona. It's what the market will bear. You know, if, if people will pay for tickets... Uh, the price of tickets will go higher. If they stop buying tickets, the price of tic- tickets will go lower. It's, it's that simple. So that's how. I mean, if you have a good team, you're in up. You're going to charge more. If you have a bad team, you're going to charge less eventually. And, eventually. And uh, you know, I was very happy that uh, tonight we had twelve thousand five hundred eighty-two fans in. Uh, you know, and twelve thousand five hundred eighty-one of those appear to have gotten there legally, right. but that's uh, right. and one uh, knucklehead. Uh, what's his name? Zach. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. Let's. We don't even need to bring his name up on here. But, but that was. Uh, that was all. That was a little internet firestorm. That might have been the last little bit that put uh, Fort Bragg game trending uh, number one worldwide. But uh, kudos to the people who put this on to Murray Cook and his team, to Major League Baseball and the union for the idea, to the people of Fort Bragg and that community, the U.S. Army, a tremendously helpful staff that was around us tonight, JJ. Uh, nothing negative I can say about it. And again, um, you know, I don't have I don't have anybody in my family who served uh, since my dad served and when he got drafted in, uh, in the mid 1950s, uh, early 1950s. It's a little bit different time, uh, and he didn't see you know he he was occupied occupation forces in France. So I guess he did serve. I mean, no, I know sir, your dad sir. worked in the military. No, my dad well. my dad was Air Force during the Vietnam era. He was fortunate. He uh, he was uh, he. Did not he? He was served here in the states. He never uh, went. He never was sent overseas. But uh, you know, my dad was in the Air Force. My 
uh, you know, my grandfather was in the Navy and, you know, I lost a great uncle, you know, in, in World War II and, and all, but it was just a great event. Whether, you know, and also my, uh, my, my brother's wife, my sister-in-law's brother is in the army. Okay. But, uh, it just got back from Germany not that, well, not that many years ago. But, um, but it just was a great event. It was and tremendous. It really was a. So good as is this podcast. I just missed my turn. Oh! So. Well, I'm going to wrap this podcast up then because <laughs> it's after one in the morning. I want to get home. Yes. And I still have to drive home after we get back, as does John. So, yes. but, uh, so for John Manuel, this is JJ Cooper. Thank you for listening. And we'll be back next week with, or later this week with a Baseball America podcast. This concludes our program. Visit baseballamerica.com for more podcasts.